let me introduce to you my pick of the week, which is... Oh, oh shit, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Graham, the book that you bought me called The, T- the Triceratops Who Loved Me has just been soaked. <laughs> <laughs> I was always expecting that to get be a book which might get slightly damp. I think you're fine. It does have... <laughs> it does have wiped down pages. Smashing Security, Episode 90, Fortnite for Android, and the FCC's DDOSBS, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 90. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. Hi, Carol. Hello. And we are joined this week by a returning guest. Uh, he hasn't been on the show for a while, but he's back now with a vengeance. It's security writer David Bisson. Hello, David. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. What are you avenging? <laughs> um, my honor. Ah, has Graham? Did Graham take a swipe at it? Every single day. I know he's Every outrageous. Every single day, he's outrageous. <laughs> now I have something to say. Oh, I have yes. something to say. If I can use this window, yes, of course. I have a happy birthday to say. This is on the day of recording rather than day of publication. So are we, so are we doing birthday dedications for listeners of the show now? Can people write in and we'll... Well, maybe it's not a listener. Oh, we should do that. Maybe yeah. it isn't a listener. Oh. Maybe it's the internet. Happy birthday, internet. Happy birthday. Wait, the internet? How, how old <laughs> the, is the internet today? 27 years old today. I read what? that somewhere today. The internet? Okay. I don't, well, I don't no. think it's... Tw- it's older than 27 years old. No, wait. What, what do you mean by the internet? <laughs> Why are you guys... The World Wide Web, of course. Okay, that's different from the internet, Carol. Oh. That's a subset of the internet. The internet's been around for decades before the web was around. Okay. Potato, And, like, how, how far are we going back here? Like, could we say that the adoption of TCP IP <laughs> is the first beginning of the internet? Yeah. Oh, what, Graham, is that a bit geeky for you? Just a little bit nerdy there. Oh, right. So if it's just beyond your level of no, knowledge, I'm, then you, I, no, yeah, I'm, okay, so, you snort. So, you, so you're celebrating Tim Berners-Lee, right? Created Tim Berners-Lee, worldwide Sir web. Tim, as he is today, inventing the very first web pages. Web pages were invented today. Which did, of course, gotcha. popularise the internet amongst... Yes, okay, you know what? I take your point. I was, uh, I, I misspoke. <laughs> Great. I'm glad well, I I'm glad I brought Happy fun. convoluted birthday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> High five, Tim. And ever since the web was invented, there've been no security or privacy problems ever since. It's all gone very no. smoothly. Smooth sailing. Very smooth. Very smooth. Many of us have worked in big companies, right? And we know that it only takes one person to make a boo-boo to allow the hackers in. Imagine running a company, hiring new stuff, and worrying that one of them might bring their bad password habits into the office. Horrendous nightmare. That's one of the reasons why businesses, small and large, need a password management solution like LastPass Enterprise. LastPass brings a vast array of features for enterprise users, including company-wide policies, reporting, user groups and roles, and new support for Microsoft Active Directory. As an administrator, you can create highly secure passwords for your new starters right from the onset. means no snafus. Listeners can check it out for themselves by visiting lastpass.com slash smashing. No more password snafus, no more boo-boos, just LastPass. So guys, I think it's well established that there are various stages during the life of a man or a woman 
You begin off fairly simply, don't you? You begin off with wooden toys or Lego, something like that, and then maybe you get into Minecraft. <laughs> then when you're a teenager, you might get into some of those shoot 'em up games, and eventually you become a crazy old white guy. This is pretty stereotypical, Grim. I'm not sure it really applies to most people. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, pretty sure. I thought this is how it happens. Anyway, what I'm interested in today is not the crazy old white guys who eventually become president. What I'm talking about today are the people who are teenagers who are attracted to a video game. A video game, and I wonder if either of you have heard it or indeed played it, called Fortnite. Oh, yeah. I have not. I know it by name, but that's it. I've never played it. Have you played it, David? No, I haven't played it, but my brother has. So you've watched over his shoulder, presumably. How would you describe this game? Well, uh, you basically, uh, as players, you parachute in. There are, I think, upwards of like 100 players, and you can <gasps> build stuff, and you're in this like arena where it keeps shrinking and shrinking, basically down to like where you're trying to kill each other and be like the last one or the last team, something along those lines. So it's like an Arnie movie, basically. You've got a great big gun, you're trying to kill everyone, and you want to make sure that you're the last man or woman or alien standing. But he, but he you, says you build stuff, too, so it's like Minecraft with guns. Right, so you can, you can build things to climb up and to help you get up cliffs or to build barriers to prevent other people getting to you. But anyway, yeah. this is an incredibly popular game. It's for the Switch. You can get it for your PlayStation, your Xbox, iPads, iPhones. And now Epic Games have said that they are going to destroy distribute this for Android as well. Okay. But they're going to do mm-hmm. something slightly different. They have decided not to distribute it in the official Google Play Store, which is basically the official Android yeah. marketplace. What? Okay. That's really unusual for a legit company. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. And you may think, well, why, why would they choose not yeah. to do that, right? Hence my and, question. And of course, <laughs> well, the reason, Carol, of course, comes down to money. Because there's a Google tax of 30%. If you Shut sell, the front door, what? 30? 30, 30%. And it's a similar a situation markup. with the iOS app store as well. Apple and Google are making a nice chunk of change and becoming trillion dollar companies by having some of this cash. Is this just for Fortnite? Like, has anything like this ever happened before? Or. So. The amount which they take is true of all apps. Now, Fortnite is given away for free, right? You can play it for free. But if you want in-game purchases, if you want to download patches and extra bits and bobs, then you have to give money for it, okay? Gotcha. So what Epic Games are saying is that if you want Fortnite on your Android, you're going to have to go to Fortnite's website and click on one of their links, and you will have to disable a recommended Android security setting, because normally Android has Mm -hmm. a setting enabled which says, don't allow apps from unknown sources. (laughs) Don't allow any apps that we don't make a markup on from going onto your phone. (laughs) Oh, you are so (laughs) cynical, aren't you? Do you know what's interesting, though? So Epic Games, uh, as you say, Fortnite's very popular, right? So they're probably saying, look, people are going to come get it no matter what. It's like at the crack of games. So even if we're not in the official Android store, people are going to happily come to us and we'll get an extra 30%. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they will get this benefit from it, but they are going to have to talk their users through the process of disabling 
this security setting. So when you disable this security mm. setting on Android, it pops up a message and it says, your phone and personal data are now more vulnerable to attack by apps from unknown sources. You agree that you are solely responsible for any damage to your phone or loss of data that may result from using these apps. So they're really trying to discourage you from side-loading apps onto your phone from unknown sources. I got you, okay. I got you. But how much would it cost to get a usability engineer... Right, it's going to cost less than thirty percent cut of the sales to hire someone to manage that whole onboarding process of getting them to change the config option and then putting it back on afterwards once they've installed the oh, app. Oh yes, but imagine your snotty little Norris, right? You're a twelve-year-old. You've finally downloaded Fortnite onto your Android and you've disabled unknown sources. You are going to leap headlong into that game. You're not going to be thinking no. that much about re-enabling that security setting, are you? Because mm. you want to get on with it. And I think it leaves it wide open to phishing attacks, where it's like, oh, you get an email from Fortnite here, go to this website, you just Mm. clone it, and it's something completely different. Right, or imagine an IDN homograph attack, where you think you're on the Fortnite website, in fact, the O is some bizarre language O, which looks just like the letter O, or the R is different, and so it looks like the genuine site. So there's no doubt that there will be attempts to trick people into downloading illegitimate versions of Fortnite. Now, I can kind of understand Epic Games' point of view, because what, frankly, are Google adding? They're adding the ability to reach a huge audience, but they're probably thinking, we've got that anyway, because it's Fortnite. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to watch what happens, you know? I I think uh, it's an interesting... I mean, also, it may force others to think maybe we'll think that way, and it'll maybe force Google to go, look, maybe our tax is a bit high. (laughs) <laughs> right? Because 30%. I don't know. You know, they don't say don't be evil anymore, don't you? Chris? I know. I know. I know. Because, I, I mean, these are commercial companies, right? Google and Apple. Apple's now a trillion dollar company. So these companies are unbelievably huge. I think that this sets a bad precedent. I can understand their reasons for doing it, but I do worry that this will create a more laissez-faire attitude as mm-hmm. to whether it's wise to install apps regardless of their sourcing future. And you have to remember as well, what about updates? If you're getting an app from the official app store, then the whole updating system yeah, that's true. is well set up as well and automatic. Yeah. And in-game purchases are going to be more complicated because you're not going to be making them the regular way through the Mm. app store, you're going to have to be making them some other way. So there's all kinds of manner of chance of this going wrong. And I would bet my bottom dollar that although Google hasn't been perfect in policing its app store and malicious software has got in there in the past, they will be better at security than Epic. And what a target Epic games are now going to be for someone to try and infect one of their updates. As you lose sleep over this, clearly, I am going to eat popcorn (laughs) at at not being a Fortnite or an Android user and just see what happens. Well, there's one interesting thing. Tim Sweeney, the founder of Fortnite Company, has been saying, look, if you're running the latest version Mm. of Android called Oreo, then the interface will be slightly different. It will have a couple of security questions, but you won't have to manually disable this particular feature. Now, the thing is, Oreo came out a year ago. It came out in August 2017. Mm -hmm. How many Android devices, as a percentage, do you think are actually using it? Uh, Less than 10. 
Yeah. Well, you've ruined it for me. It's twelve oh. percent. So it's, oh, it's actually only been a year. It's only been a year. <laughs> what do you mean? Down. It's only been a year. If you compare that to Apple with iOS, mm-hmm. iOS so much more quickly gets out onto all of those devices, and Android mm-hmm. has always had this terrible experience, particularly for the non-Google manufactured devices of distributing updates. So Oreo so has what's... been around for a year, around about one in ten. Android mm. devices are actually running it. There is actually a brand new version of Android come out uh, this week, Android version 9, also known as Android Pie, which has a number of new security features. But you're only likely to get that for now if you're running one of Google's own Pixel devices. Yeah. Hmm. There is a problem with Android security updates. It has got better, but it's by no means as good as Apple. And once again, I'm very uncomfortable with this whole idea of disabling any security functionality on Android just in yeah. order to play a game. Maybe you need looser underpants or something. My <laughs> underpants, uh, can I say, Crow, it's very hot here in England at the moment, and my underpants are pretty billowy. Can we just go to the, can uh, we go oh, to the wow. last story? I, <laughs> I have maximised the wafting in order oh, to keep everything Yikes. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. David, what have you got for us this week? Oh, all right. Well, um, I saw a story about a service called Safe Wi-Fi. Basically, a VPN that Verizon is coming out with that creates secure web connections in public places like hotels and coffee shops and those kinds of things. If you go to the website, it says it uses bank-grade encryption technology as Ooh. well as it includes an ad tracker blocker where it can prevent advertisers from tracking users' activity and serving up targeted ads. So right. really good stuff. You want to have something like that, especially yeah. if you're going on a public Wi-Fi. Yep. But there's a problem. <laughs> because if you look into Safe Wi-Fi itself and start poking around the website, mm-hmm. you can't find any current privacy policy for the service. If you go into the terms and conditions, there is a privacy and security section. <laughs> yeah. Right. Instead of a unique privacy policy... It basically just includes a link to McAfee's privacy notice and has a link then to McAfee's website. Oh, is McAfee providing the technology for Verizon's safe Wi-Fi VPN then? They're working together to create this. So it's engine and and skin or something. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. But that's where it gets troublesome because Mm -hmm. included then in that privacy notice are things that you wouldn't ever want to see with a VPN service. Oh. So, for instance, it says that McAfee can collect things like contact information, payment data, and account login credentials, which may include social network details. <laughs> and then it goes on saying that, oh, we may also collect other information, like what products you purchase, demographic information, photographs, what? these kinds of it's, things. It's wonderful, isn't it, when one of the leaders of cybersecurity <laughs> is out there actually taking information and telling, saying it's legal by putting it in the small T's and C's. Why, why would they want to know what product well i can imagine why they want to know what products you purchased but yeah it, yeah i mean this is just them shooting themselves in the foot isn't it yeah it's it seems that way i mean with collecting some of the information i can understand i mean of course tracking what products you buy and i mean demographic information they could probably do threat analysis but um <laughs> the funniest thing that i saw and how they use that information is this little section that says, in order to keep these products free, we may use information collected through them basically to allow McAfee and others to show you ads 
that are targeted what? to your interests. <laughs> but hang it on, says it, 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 <laughs> yeah, it says on the website that the VPN includes an ad tracker blocker. But you go to McAfee's privacy policy notice, and it says McAfee does just that when it's not supposed to do. So it sounds like their plan is, yes, they are going to block ads, but they're going to introduce their own. They're going to replace ads <laughs> that's, with ones that's, from McAfee's With our own branding. Products. They're probably going to call it branding. <laughs> yeah, someone not knowing that this privacy notice redirect is temporary would think that. Basically, if Verizon's spokesperson came out to Motherboard and said, we are working with McAfee to post our specific privacy policy to address safe Wi-Fi and said that the service won't collect any personal information, which is fine, but we're talking about Verizon. And we all know what Verizon has done in the past with zombie cookies and all those kinds of things. So it's like... Can you really trust them at this point that they're going to follow through and act on good faith? I mean, honestly, I wouldn't go with safe Wi-Fi right now until you can click on that privacy and security section and see a specific privacy policy and make sure that there's not anything remotely suspicious about logging or collecting data. But the terrible thing is, lots of people who are maybe waking up to the dangers of privacy or unsecured Wi-Fi will think, oh, this is fantastic. Verizon are giving this to us we, we should be able to trust them and, and yeah and verizon is working with mcafee and, you, and mcafee's a known security company so you that might yeah. even lend you extra trust oh i'm sure i'm sure all the more reason why this is unacceptable why would you launch a service yeah it's a not cool policy? is it it's definitely not cool so yeah. it might be okay i'm gonna be devil's advocate yeah do 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 because i'm not <laughs> do do I, I don't live in America. We don't really have Verizon over here, as far as I know. But clearly, it's got a bad reputation over in North America for various things. It might be that this has been done with the best intentions and that they just haven't crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and got their privacy policy together. Maybe they're not actually going to do all the things which this privacy policy allows them to do. No, no, but, possibly, but, but without having their own privacy yeah. agreement, that's yeah. a big oversight because, you know, GDPR, you, who collects information and who processes information and how that works, you you both right. share responsibility. So they can't just lean on McAfee and say, oh, it's all you guys. And yeah, I, and, and optics are so important, like, yeah. with anything with privacy, and especially if you're Verizon. Mm. It's like, you know you've right. run into trouble in the past. Like, yeah. if I were them, I'd be showing up. It's like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. This is what we're not doing. And you, you really to appeal to the customer's, you know, ease of mind. I'm looking mm. at the policy right now, and it doesn't just say products you purchase and demographic information, photographs and videos, biometric yeah. data such as fingerprints or voice prints. Jeez, it's 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 a nightmare. And this is from this is in McAfee's privacy agreement. Yes, I think people, you know, you almost want to say maybe go check your other McAfee product privacy agreements that you may have signed. Just to be clear, this is McAfee the company. This isn't John McAfee. If it was John McAfee, no. then right. maybe no, I'd yeah. understand <laughs> this. Good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, you know, it's very interesting that you've been talking about Verizon. I'm going to be talking about Verizon. Oh, crow. Oh. Segway. <laughs> Tell us what your topic is this week. As you may have heard, the FCC has finally admitted that the distributed denial of service attack that supposedly brought down its commenting system was a big fat lie. About time. Yeah, since last spring, many have accused the FCC of faking a cyber attack as the reason its commenting system went offline. 
And this whole commenting snafu all stems from the net neutrality bill. So just a quick refresher. Yeah. The net neutrality was the Title II order turned into law under Obama. And the whole idea is to give equal footing to all internet services. So this means that ISPs can't throttle your speeds or deny you access to certain services and apps if they weren't going to do it for everybody else. Almost everyone except the ISPs thought this was, um, you know, a good idea. They're all pro net neutrality. Can I predict right now that whatever goes wrong is all going to be Obama and Hillary's fault? (laughs) Because... Okay, watch this space. A lot of things going wrong now apparently are all there for. Okay, you you take a little nap and when you hear the word Obama, you can go away. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay. (laughs) So when Trump lucked into power, right, he appointed ex-Verizon chief Ajit Pai. Oh, Oh, there you go. (laughs) As head honcho of the FCC. And one of Ajit Pai's first focuses was to kill the net neutrality bill. Get it repealed. Right. Now, despite a significant backlash, I'm sure you guys remember, from internet Mm -hmm. giants like Apple and Google and Mm -hmm. Reddit and millions of individual users voicing concern, the FCC pulled it off and net neutrality was officially repealed in June of this year. Yeah. Now, as you can imagine... Not many are happy about this, or rather, there's a lot of people that are unhappy about this. They're kind of pointing the finger at the FCC for having failed to act in good faith throughout this process. Now, this is where we come back to the whole commenting system DDoS BS. See what I did there? DDoS BS. <laughs> <laughs> we could maybe use that in the title. Th- yeah. <laughs> so in, in May 2017, the FCC system was overwhelmed with comments. And this happened immediately after comedian John Oliver, host of HBO's Last Week Tonight, made an appropriately huge stink about net neutrality and then asked his millions of viewers to flood the agency with comments supporting net neutrality. I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very soon after... The FCC said the commenting system had been deliberately impaired due to a series of distributed denial-of-service attacks. Hmm! Rather than lots of people leaving comments saying, this is rubbish, don't do this. Right. So net neutrality supporters smelled a rat asking for proof of the DDoS and none came. (laughs) Turns out the FCC had been faking this DDoS attack since May of last year. And only this past Monday of this week, the FCC has finally admitted that they were full of hooey. Now, this is where it gets kind of annoying. The chairman, Ajit Pai, was quick to blame the former chief information officer, not by name, but I think it's safe to say it was David Bray. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was Barack Obama. And he blamed the Obama administration. Oh, there he is. (laughs) Yep, yep, there it is. Hey, for providing, quote, inaccurate information about this incident to me, my office, Congress, and to the American people, unquote. Now, gee, don't you wish he was your boss? I mean, when push comes to shove and the proverbial hits the fan, the boss blames you publicly. Like, so nice. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the problem is, is Ajit had more than a year to come clean and admit this, this was a system failure and not an attack. So why the delay? Why was that happening? Well, could it be perhaps that the reason they were faking the cyber attack was because they wanted to avoid a huge media scandal about the lack of resiliency in their systems? After all, the FCC had just spent $3 million overhauling the whole system, and they had done this after the first time John Oliver incited his viewers to leave pro-net neutrality comments on the FCC website. This happened two years earlier in 2015. 
Okay, so John Oliver had done this trick before. The FCC's website had been <laughs> flooded. The FCC spent millions of dollars fixing the system. And then it broke again. Yeah. And out of embarrassment, Yikes. they said, oh, um, DDoS attack. You know, bad guys attacking our website. All right. Okay. Huh. So, exactly. Twice John Oliver got mm. viewers to mm. overwhelm the commenting system, once in 2015 and once in 2017. And between those two instances, the FCC spent three million bucks overhauling the lagging archaic system, presumably to improve resiliency, which it clearly failed to do. And as you say, I think he, they were embarrassed that it screwed up its overhaul and that it fell over at the hands of John Oliver, a comedian. Hmm. <laughs> so maybe better to say it had been doxxed than uh, to fess up. Anyway, this is not even the only problem with the commenting system. There was also the problem of people finding out that their identities were being falsely used. Remember this? An estimated 2 million pro-appeal commenters found to be faked, including those of two senators. So Senator Jeff uh, Merkley, Democrat of Oregon, and Pat Toomey, Republican of Pennsylvania, were among the victims. Oh, so these were people who said, we don't want net neutrality. Well, hadn't said anything necessarily, right? These are people that either certainly supported net neutrality, and that's why they noticed their names on the commenting page. And I guess uh, those people weren't the ones who responded to John Oliver's no. calls. I mean, couldn't, couldn't that be the DDoS attack? I mean, <laughs> No, no, I don't think they're trying to tie them. I think this is what this is showing is that basically the FCC cannot tell the difference and cannot identify a real yeah. comment from a fake comment or one from a bot. Now, one of the things yeah. they're planning to do is add a capture system to try and stop bots from being able to post comments. But that doesn't stop an individual pretending or forging someone else's identity in order to leave a comment right all i can be sure of is none of this is chairman ajit pai's fault absolutely it's nothing to do with him i think we need to underline that even though he's in charge of the entire organization i don't think we should think the buck stops with him well i'm right? surprised he didn't blame john oliver in his speech this morning <laughs> instead of obama and his cio i i think he's afraid if he blames John Oliver, like, then John Oliver will come on, do his whole show about Ajit Pai, and then it happened again. <laughs> I think if you blame John Oliver, and if you ripped off John Oliver's mask like in Scooby-Doo, underneath would probably be Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you really also want to declare war on late-night comics? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean... They're going to be faster to the post than you will. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, Graham. Hey, Crow. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you have a password manager? Yes, of course I've got a password Do you? Yes, I, yes, I do. And do you honestly, honestly think that all companies should have a password manager? Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. If you don't have one of those, your employees are going to make some terrible password decisions and hackers may be able to break in and an enterprise-grade uh, password management solution, like the one from LastPass, for instance, will have support for Microsoft Active Directory and funky functions like that to make it even easier to secure your business. Okay, I think you've passed my test. Listeners can check out LastPass Enterprise for themselves by visiting lastpass.com slash smashing. And welcome back. Can you join us on our favourite part of the show? The part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Well, you guys were so enthusiastic. I thought I'd just take it down. You know, like let's let's get real about what is the pick of the week. Excellent. Okay, let's get down, Graham. Let's go. Pick of <laughs> pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. <laughs> Whatever they. It's getting like. faster, you know. <laughs> Doesn't have to be security related, necessarily. Definitely should not be security related. Now, many of us have got Netflix or Amazon Prime at home these days, don't we? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the normal way to watch television these days, really, isn't it? It's streaming rather than watching live TV, uh, I find. Yeah. Do you guys even have cable anymore? Yes, I think there is cable. I've never actually had cable in my life. Most people in Britain never had cable. Yeah. We were happy with four channels before Channel uh-huh. 5 came along. Yes. And digital. Yes. We really were. Gotcha. Yeah. We, we, so we never really had it. But yes, we have the internet now, you'll be pleased to hear. And <laughs> and, and the World Wide Web. And the World Wide yes. Web, which of course, of course. as, as we discovered, find. is I a part of find. the internet. And um, <laughs> anyway, the, there's a problem with Netflix and Amazon Prime. That is that there's too much content. Thousands of movies and TV shows for you to check out. How are you going to decide what to watch? You know, it's a nightmare drilling into these things. And the sites themselves aren't always the best at bubbling up the most interesting films or TV shows. Well, let me introduce to you my pick of the week, which is... Oh, oh, shit, shit. (laughs) I'm sorry. Graham, the book that you bought me called The the Triceratops Who Loved Me has just been soaked. (laughs) (laughs) It's called The Primal Urges Extreme Fantasy by Gloria Screams. What? <laughs> I was always expecting that to get be a book which might get slightly damp. But I think you'll find it does have <laughs> it does have wiped down pages. I, I did laminate it. It is a coaster. <laughs> <laughs> the Triceratops who loved me. I haven't yet I haven't yet dived into its pages. <sighs> okay. Anyway. Apologies. No problem. Back to pick of the week. So the sites themselves aren't always the best at bubbling up interesting films or TV shows. And that is why I would suggest that you check out a website called agoodmovietowatch.com. Okay, I'm going to go look. Go Go check it out. Because what agoodmovietowatch.com allows you to do is you can choose your genre. You can tell it which part of the world you're in, so which Netflix, for instance, you watch. And you can say, oh, tell me about the interesting documentaries. Tell me about this. And you will find, most likely, some TV shows or movies that you weren't previously aware of. I'm going to choose Sincere as my, my mood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can choose moods. Okay. Oh, choose, yeah, it's pretty it's I'll pretty choose sincere. humility. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there you go. So I, I think this could be quite fun. So I'm going to be trying out a good movie to watch.com. And I hope our listeners do, too. And that is why it is my pick of the week. Excellent. And my pick of the week is not the Triceratops who loved me. What would be my mood if that was the kind of movie I was hoping to watch? That's why I went to the move bit. And charming? Dark? Weird? there's an element of dark. Well, weird for sure. (laughs) And thought provoking. (laughs) What's wrong with Carol? I would think the Triceratops who loved me would be slightly horny as well. (laughs) Oh, dear. Would that would that also include gripping? <laughs> oh God! Please move on. I'm uh, so glad it's not me. David, what's your pick of the week? 
Okay, well, Graham, I know you like a little game called Overcooked. Oh, yes, it's wonderful. Yeah, you've Good talked fun. about this in the show before, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah, so it's, uh, for anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's a really fun video game where up to four players can basically play as chefs in, like, some really <laughs> zangy cooking situations. It's It's a lot of fun. If you haven't tried it, definitely go out. I just played it again this weekend where a few of my friends, we went for a bike ride, got milkshakes, you know, real bonding oh, stuff to bring uh, us together oh. to get into the zone of, like, getting this kitchen functioning. But as soon as we turn on the game, we're all yelling at each other and laughing. <laughs> all the counters are on fire. You know, it's just... In it's the game. A lot. In the game, in the game right? Okay. In the game. Yes, not in the real kitchen. <laughs> okay, so, moral of the story with this, sometimes less is more with... <laughs> With cooks in the chef. It's amazing how many of us have an inner Gordon Ramsay which comes out when playing a game like this and you start swearing at each other. Oh, yeah, call everyone, you stupid idiot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think just bike rides and a milkshake should be your pick of the week. That Aww. sounds great. I mean, that that's a pick of the week for every week. I mean, yeah. that goes without saying. That's pretty nice. <laughs> I haven't had a milkshake in ages. Well, you should go and have one. Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> this pick of the week isn't about Overcooked, but it's about its sequel, Overcooked 2, which drops on recording day. So oh, it's... the World Wide Web's birthday. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be available, I think, first for Nintendo Switch, but then it's going to go out to all the other platforms. So highly recommend you try this next one. A whole lot more recipes. I think there's cake in there, so it's like... Oh, I love there's cake. like cake. <laughs> and definitely play it with some friends. But I'd recommend that you have a cup of tea on standby for afterward. You'll need it to decompress. <laughs> So, <laughs> so be careful where you balance that cup of tea because it's quite an energetic game. We already found out Kroll can be quite a klutz. Yeah, yes. you can get copies over. of this book. They normally make great posters. So. <laughs> that should be your pick of the week. <laughs> well, good one. Overcooked certainly is a great game and I look forward to Overcooked 2 as well. It's, it, it really is hilarious fun. Kroll, what's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week is a BBC article. And it's an overview of why Winnie the Pooh, the new film, has been banned in China. Have either of you what? read this? What? <laughs> oh. So it, it all has... No, I think I know what this is about. Okay, so then you stay stum. Yes, I will. Yes. Yeah, okay. This all has to do with Chinese leader Xi Jinping being compared to the beloved bear. Now, if you go to my link that I've provided, okay, you can see that the comparisons began in 2013 with yes. an image of Xi Jinping walking with President Obama. And it was posted alongside a picture of Pooh walking next to Tigger. Do you see how their body language between the pictures are it's identical? uncanny, wow. isn't it? It is uncanny. Isn't it? And then it's... in 2014, there's a picture of Xi Jinping shaking hands with Japanese Prime Minister. And you will see that they put it as alongside a picture of Pooh with Eeyore. And again, the body language is, and even the facial expressions are identical. And it's so strange because this is years before Eeyore launched his presidential bid, of course. Well, <laughs> now, just to make this come full circle, our old friend John Oliver has also been censored after he criticized Xi Jinping in China. But in the roast, he also mentioned the president's sensitivity to being compared to the Pooh Bear. Oh. Now, it's just worth reading the article because it's very cute how similar they look. But I just don't get why anyone wouldn't want to be compared to Pooh. I, I think it's love an honor. Well, I wouldn't like to be compared to Pooh, but I'd like to be compared to Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Yes, because because he's the most, well, other than Piglet, is the most adorable thing in the world, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. 
Why, sure. wouldn't, why wouldn't you want to He's be that? He's a dude, so I just don't get it. Anyway, He's not a dude. Winnie the Pooh may be many things, but he's not a dude, Carol. Yes, he is. No, he's, well, not. he's not. Vote, vote, vote on Twitter. <laughs> I think I'm going to win this one hand. We're going to do a Twitter Pooh. poll. Right, okay. Is Winnie the Pooh a dude or not? <laughs> All right, okay. Well, Carol, we will check out the article. Thank you for that pick of the week. And thank you, David, as well, for joining us on the show today. If people want to find out more about you, how should they follow you on the interwebs? I'm everywhere on the web. You can find me on Twitter at DMVissen. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. You just look up my name and uh, I'm there. Basically, you're saying Google me. <laughs> exactly. Duck, duck, go him. Start page him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And if you want to get some t shirts or some mugs or some stickers, you can go to the Smash Insecurity store at smashinsecurity.com slash store. And you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. It really does help new listeners discover us. Until next time, thanks very much for listening. Cheerio. Bye bye. Toodles. Thanks. Bye. editing. I'm sorry. I'm it was sorry. brilliant. I'm just annoyed we can't use it. <laughs> <laughs>